So just try it out for yourself and you can kind of see how these different hand displays and body postures and everything can truly affect the way you think, feel, and operate in any given moment. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. We're interrupting this podcast to bring you a very important message. We have huge news to share with you. So I don't know if you guys know, but for the past year or so, Guy and I have been secretly putting together a brand new training. We're calling it the Have It All Masterclass. Now, it's a very unique 100-day masterclass that's geared to unlock your true God-given potential. I'm not talking about just any old class. I'm talking about busting up all of the old useless programs and upgrading them to whole new levels. So in order to deliver this, we've done a ton of work. We've put together an app so that you can take this everywhere you go. We've even gamified the whole process so that it's easy and pleasurable to go through. Like I said, we've put a ton of time and a ton of money into creating this, and we're officially launching it in July. Now, Guy and I, to launch it, will be hosting a live class as the big unveil. And during this new class, new training, I should say, we're going to share five pillars with you that will help you create your have-it-all life. So for now, all you have to do is head over to satoriprime.com backslash register and save your seat immediately. Now, I'm going to let you know that as of now, our new masterclass will not be able to fit all of you. In fact, our intention is to actually start this very, very small because it's a live training. So as soon as all the seats are filled up, that's it. We're shutting it down. So like I said, act now. Head over to satoriprime.com backslash register and get yourself ready for some massive, massive expansion. Now, if you have a friend or a family member or someone that you really love and you want to invite them to this, please share this link. This is not going to be something that you want to miss. And with that, love you all and back to your normally programmed podcast. Now, the next thing I read in the book actually kind of blew my mind because really it hit very, very close to home. And How many of you guys get upset stomachs when you're nervous or upset? So for someone like me, when I would go on DJ gigs, like I wouldn't be able to eat, my stomach would just be in butterflies before I get up on stage. So anytime I'm in a stressful situation, my stomach is the first thing that gets affected. Okay. Now, there's an actual reason why this happens, which I was completely unaware of. So when you're nervous, blood actually gets sent to the major muscles in your body as a preparation to escape. So think back in the day, right? You were in a stressful situation. Stress usually comes from some made up fear about survival. Now, back in the day, that fear was real. There were actually lions chasing us, you know? Today, it's kind of made up fear. But regardless, we're not even going to touch on that. 
the physiological aspect of the body is still exactly the same. So when the body senses fear, senses stress or, or survival, then it goes into that mood and it pumps all the blood into your legs, which are going to get you out of the way, into your arms, which will help you fight, etc., and away from your stomach, which is the digestive part. And that's why you experience stomach pains or even a loss of appetite during these times because you're going into that freeze or, you know, freeze, flight, or fight mode. So that was really cool for me to learn just kind of the science behind what's actually happening in my body. Not that it helps me control it by any means, but it definitely makes me more aware and in tune that, you know, that happening means that I'm in a stressful situation. So if you're someone that gets really affected by the stomach, then now you can correlate that to the fact that maybe you're in a stressful situation. Uh, And sometimes that happens from just the thoughts inside our head, like having significant other or whatever it might be. Okay. So I want to make two other points about the torso that I thought were really fascinating, and then we'll move on to the arms. So first, a quick look at the shoulders. Um, You know, when you ask someone a question and they kind of shrug their shoulders like this, well, from now on, I want to show you something how you can actually deduce whether they're being truthful or whether they're lying to you. So the cue occurs actually in the amount of the shrug. Okay. So for those watching on video, you can see this. For those listening on a podcast, you're probably going, what the hell is he doing? But I'm moving my shoulders up and down. Um, If they bring the shoulders only half up versus fully up, that's kind of what you're looking for. So half up means they're lying while bringing them fully up means they're being honest. So if someone's like, I don't know, and they're bringing them all the way up, that actually means they're pretty honest. And if they're just going like, I don't know, and they give you like a half shrug, it actually means they're being dishonest. So that's something cool to pay attention to. And another thing to look for is when people lift their shoulders slowly. So you probably, I mean, I I see this with my kids a lot and and kids are very nonverbal. This means that someone is actually trying to hide. So think about like a turtle in the wild, you know, covering their head. Uh, It means that someone's afraid, they want to disappear or basically not be seen. So if someone is coming with their shoulders up and it's kind of like a slow movement, it really means that they're super uncomfortable and they don't want to be in that situation anymore. So you might be asking someone a question and they kind of go into this mode like, I want to disappear. That's the flight response happening in the body. And that's how they're showing it in the physical world rather than getting up and running. Okay. And then finally, I just want to say a little bit about clothing. He touched up on it. Um, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but worth mentioning anyway, the clothes we wear send a particular message. So the question you got to ask yourself is what is the message I really want to send out into the world? So I'll give you an example, like Orthodox people, Amish people, people who love a particular sports team, uh, a businessman or a woman. Every one of these people is trying to portray something. In fact, I'd imagine that even as I mentioned those types of people, every single one of you listening right now or watching this probably envisioned every single one of those people and every single one of those outfits because that's the way our brain functions. So what does that tell you and how can you use that to your advantage? So I think it tells you two things. The first is we as human beings make snap judgments. If I say orthodox Jew or Orthodox, you know, religious person, an Amish person, a person that loves a sports team, your brain is automatically creating those images. Okay. And it's not bad. It's just the brain's filtration system. 
in order to make things easier on the brain, it generalizes things. And instead of viewing everything as new, which takes a lot of brain power, it starts card cataloging everything. And so when you hear that word, you know, something of that nature. So that's kind of gives you a very general sense of what arms tell us. So let's look more now at social situations and what arms can tell us. So when people hold their arms behind their back, right? Like some people will like just walk and and hold their arms behind their back like this. It actually is sending a message to the world. Don't come close. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to interact with you at this moment. Okay. Likewise, if you reach to shake someone's hand and they don't respond, right? You feel very rejected. It's a, it's a very, uh, kind of stops you in in your tracks moment where you're like, wow, that person's an a-hole, right? But they just flat out rejected you. They don't want to touch you. They don't want to interact with you. The fact is that touch is actually very, very important to humans. In fact, it's been scientifically proven that health, mood, mental development, and even longevity are affected by how often we experience loving touch in our lives. So for all you out there with spouses, I will tell you that for women, touch is much, much more powerful than for men. So just merely touching your wife or significant other or whatever will make them feel like they are more loved, which is true. But in fact, it actually has a scientific backing. Okay. So touch is very important, right? So this is the very reason that touching people's arms between their elbow and their shoulders is an incredible way to let people know that you like them and that you're safe. So if you never notice that people tend to touch people in this section, it's just very, very warming, uh, lets people be at ease. Now, the ultimate of this is a hug. Again, because you're really open, right? So you're saying to someone when you first meet a person and you hug them, it's basically sending a message to the limbic system because we're showing them our, our palms, right? We're opening up, we're opening this all up and it's saying, hey, look, I'm here, I welcome you, I'm not here as a threat and the limbic system processes that and automatically puts them at ease. So for example, for someone like me, I I actually love giving hugs to people that I first meet. I actually make it a point that when I meet women, I try to even give them a kiss on the cheek. And what I've noticed is that it completely disarms people and it automatically breaks that ice. It makes it the conversation flow and it makes everything very, very warm. And if you think about it, it's kind of a ballsy move. Not a lot of people do it, right? I know, especially when I go in to kiss uh, women on the cheek in Europe, it's very customary. But here in the States, it kind of takes people a little like there's always that fraction of a second when they're like, wait, what's he actually doing? And it's brave. And so right away in that one second, without having said a word, what you've basically gone and done is say, hey, listen, I'm so comfortable. I so welcome you in. And that in that moment makes your makes you appear to that other person as someone that has confidence, someone that knows who they are and someone who's open. All three incredible qualities when you first meet someone, right? So try it out. See how it goes. It might feel awkward at first, but trust me, you get the hang of it and it works amazingly well. Now, at the very least, if you're not going to give people a hug or shake for whatever reason, then make sure that your chest is open and people can see your palms. Again, sends that same message to the limbic brain saying this person is open and welcoming and safe. Okay. 
But the last thing that I want to look at with arms is what Joe calls arm splays, which simply means taking up more room with your arms. So if you've ever noticed where you're standing at a counter talking to someone, there's people that, you know, keep their arms kind of one on top of each other and right there on the table. Other people will take up a lot of room. They kind of like really spread their arms out wide and take up a lot of that space. It's a territorial thing. So if someone splays his arms and then gets asked a question, okay, and narrows them greatly. So they go literally from like taking up a lot of space and leaning forward to drastically kind of bringing them, you know, close to their body and right in front of them. Then that's a great tell that they're either lying or have not done what you've asked them to do. So when you're confident, okay, you tend to spread out. You tend to take out more space. When you're not, we tend to withdraw and keep things very tight. So make sure when you're approaching people, you're watching for these arm splays because it's a really simple way to tell if someone's honest or lying or comfortable or not comfortable. Okay, so that's a little bit about arm positions. Our brains are geared to focus on people's hands and wrists. Okay, it's just something that we're automatically drawn to as humans. Uh, people, myself included, if you've seen me in any of my actual videos uh, when I'm standing in my studio, then you know I tend to use my hands a lot. And what I found out in reading the book is people that often use their hands tend to be more persuasive. Interestingly enough, if you've probably ever taken a public speaking course of any sort, then one of the big things they focus on is on your hands. If you've ever, in fact, watched um, people on the news or on SportsCenter or whatever you might watch, you'll notice they're generally always holding a pen in their hand, and that's to keep them from doing stupid things with their hands. So hands, very, very important. In fact, something that he covered, and I don't mean to say this you know, to freak people out or anything like that, but Hitler practice in front of a mirror and even videoed just his hand gestures all in order to practice how to use them to enthrall and control his audience. And obviously, you know, it's undisputed that he was probably one of the most uh, persuasive speakers of our entire history. So one of the practices we teach our students is that when they first start in business, no matter what it is, is to do a video day challenge. We do a 90 day video challenge. And the reason we do that is because when you see yourself on video, you start noticing a lot of the things that you do that you were completely unaware of the way you hold your hands, the way you hold your body or your shoulders down as your head in, you know, are you out and open? Are you really nervous and shy? All these things you start realizing about yourself and that gives you ammunition to go and correct them. And that in turn gives you more confidence, allows you to be a better speaker, obviously, but more than that, gives you the confidence that when you're in public or meeting new people, you know yourself in a whole new way. So if you've never done that, I recommend you take this 90 day video challenge for yourself because the results that people produce and the confidence that they build out of just these quick 90 day videos is absolutely incredible. Now, if you don't know how to use your hands properly, and when he kept talking about this in the book, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Talladega Nights uh, movie with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. There's a scene there when John C. Riley is being interviewed and he like doesn't know what to do with his hands. And so he just keeps moving them up to his face and the broadcaster keeps pushing him down. He's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. So I don't know. I just kept thinking of that. Maybe that's not funny to you guys at all. But anyway, 
if you don't know what you're doing with your hands, you can really hurt your interaction. That's the, the main takeaway here. So people even think that you might be suspicious if you tend to hide your hands, for example. And we'll talk about that. You know, people that put their hands behind their back or in their pockets are limbic brain again senses that as suspicious. So just some things to keep in mind. Now, a quick note about shaking hands. And this to me kind of was a little bit strange. I'd never heard this, but you know, the way politicians shake hands is when they kind of put their uh, hand, they shake your hand and then they put the other one on top. Uh, Now I do this here and there. And after reading the book, I kind of became much more aware of it. Uh, Joe says specifically, don't shake like politicians do by putting one hand on top of their the other person's hand, because he says you're conveying dominance, which is not what you should be doing when you first interact with someone. Now, I actually asked a lot of people about this uh, after I shook their hand that way, kind of just to test it and see you know, how it made them feel. And most of the responses that I got were that people thought it was an added level of affection versus a dominance. So granted, I'm not saying obviously Joe knows way more about this than I do, but it was just something that I kind of tested for myself and the results that I was receiving. And maybe it's just because of a personality thing. Or maybe these people know me from somewhere else. It doesn't matter. But the response wasn't that I was trying to dominate them, but they actually looked at it as affectionate. Another display that is universally unliked by all human beings is being pointed at. It is one of the least favorite things of any human being, especially when done with the index finger. So if you have to do it at all, okay, make sure, Joe says, to do it with your palm facing up and just pointing this way, which is much more diffusing to the person. It's not personal to them. It's just you're actually pointing to something. Um, This especially goes for interactions with your children, which I found really interesting because I have a almost three-year-old and uh, slightly over one-year-old. And he says they'll actually focus more on your hands than on your speech. So you have to be very, very careful because if the limbic brain – keep in mind, the child doesn't need to understand what happens. But the limbic brain, which has been pre-programmed for millions of years – addresses pointing as some sort of threat, domination, etc. And so you don't want to leave your kids feeling that way. So keep that in mind. I know it's going to be a super hard habit to break. I've been practicing it and it's not very easy, especially when you're like pointing to different things around the room, right? It's so natural for us to just point the way we taught. So I'm really trying to kind of reprogram my brain, which will take a little bit of time. Okay, so now that we've covered a little bit of that, again, let's go into some of the high and low confidence hand displays. And we'll start with a high confidence hand display. The first Joe calls steepling. Steepling is basically when you do this, okay, Uh, which is basically every finger touches every other finger, but your palms are not touching, okay? So you kind of create that steeple effect. If you've ever seen any public speaker, they use this. Joe says it's only used by people who are very confident in themselves and in their thoughts. So it's natural that probably every public speaking course will teach you this, right? Now, interestingly enough, when we lose confidence in what we're talking about, we'll go from steepling to the ever popular fingers interlaced. So if you watch people transition from this to this, then you know that when they did this, what they're talking about at that moment, they are not as confident in 
as what they were previously talking about. So good thing to know in your if you're in a business meeting, for example, and someone's sharing something with you and they do that and you notice it, then you know that there's something there that they're not certain about. Really, really great tip. Another one, which is obvious to most of us, is the thumbs up. You know, like when we go like this, this is a high confidence display, indicative of positive behavior, pretty easy. But when we put our thumbs in our pockets, okay, which Joe calls disappearing thumbs, that's actually a very low confidence display. So he just says to do this small exercise, which is try putting your thumbs in your pockets and just see how you feel. So I did this personally, and I got to tell you what you start noticing if you're really aware of your body is your shoulders will kind of come down, you droop, it, it just alters your being. And I remember when I did the Tony Robbins course, he was talking about the, this part, like the sternum part, that when you hold it up, like literally push it up and open your chest and stand that way, you actually feel powerful. I mean, think about, you know, if a athlete or a boxer or something's about to go in the ring, what do we do, right? We puff out our chest almost like a lion. Putting my thumbs in my pockets was the closest thing that I can come to that is the opposite of that motion. So just try it out for yourself and you can kind of see how these different hand displays and body postures and everything can truly affect the way you think feel and operate in any given moment. Now, another display generally used by males, as Joe would point it out, is the thumbs in belt buckles. Uh, the scientific name he gave it is genital framing. It says to those around you, I'm a viral male, uh, kind of like the Fonz used to do. But interestingly enough, I've seen this happen a lot more in social interactions like bars in New York City or clubs, etc., where guys will actually do that. So just something to keep in mind. Now, a good rule of thumb, no pun intended here, is people that move a lot when they're speaking are usually telling the truth. And this goes back to the whole thing with the fight, all my friends, and I most of the time get the answer of face, right? And it's really funny because the face is something that we as humans are programmed to be fully fully aware of, right? That's where people's speech comes out of. That's where people's facial expressions. So we look a lot to that to gauge what that person is saying. And we use that face to actually interpret what they mean. Because someone can say the same line, right? And just by the look on their face, you can tell if they're being sarcastic, if they're being honest, if they're being playful, etc. So we're honed in on that. And here's the crazy scientific part. The fact is we're never taught this, okay? But every human being can observe and understand over 10,000 facial expressions. Never taught. No one sits down and says, okay, this means this and this means that. And yet we can comprehend and observe 10,000 facial expressions. Incredible, right? So as we discussed in part one, the reason our faces are not honest is that we've been taught to lie with them from a very young age, right? And we shared some of those examples. So, you know, smile at someone you don't like or, you know, put on a happy face. All of these things we've been taught from a very young in clusters, right, that we've discussed before. In other words, look at the face and other parts of the body to look and see what the brain is actually reacting to. Don't just use the face, which is something I think we've all been programmed to do. That's because we've all seen someone say positive words, 
but his face said something completely different. And even though the words were perfect, did you ever have an interaction with a salesperson where they've said everything perfectly and yet something in your gut told you not to trust this person? We've all had that experience, whether it was a car salesman, a vacuum salesman, you know, someone trying to sell you on a class, or whatever, you've all had that kind of experience. So ask yourself why, like, what is it that innately had you figure out that something wasn't honest about this person, right? Now, other times we may miss facial expressions because we've been taught not to stare and we're self-conscious of doing so. So we may miss something like a jaw tightening at a business meeting because we don't want to stare at the person giving the presentation, okay? You may miss someone sweating or wiping their brow or touching their face because we've been told don't stare. So you got to unlearn that thing. And you got to be willing, if you ever notice poker players, right, they are constantly staring at each other because they know that a slight twitch is the thing that's going to make or break their hand that game. So you got to be able to get out of that mindset of staring is bad. There's obviously a fine line to this, but I'm just saying for most of us, we're afraid to even look at people's eyes. We're afraid to look at people. So you got to unlearn that to be able to observe and truly observe. Now, a really easy, high comfort display that you can very, very easily pick out is when someone has a really relaxed face and they actually tilt their head slightly. So when someone tilts their head by doing this, they reveal the most vulnerable part of our neck. Okay. And it's only, only done when we're very, very comfortable in the situation. In fact, one of the exercises that Joe shares is try to get into an elevator with a whole bunch of strangers and hold your neck tilted for the entire ride. Very, very difficult to do because again, an elevator full of strangers is not a comfortable situation for you. Just like we discussed with women, right? If they'll have their legs crossed in an elevator and a stranger will walk in, they will immediately open their legs to gain that balance, right? So they're not vulnerable. Now, let's talk a little bit about the eyes. Nonverbal displays of the eyes are great if you can notice them because we have very, very little control over them. Generally, the eyes will constrict when they're uncomfortable. Okay. Now, again, this means that you would have to actually pay attention to people's eyes and be willing to look into their eyes. So Joe ran an interrogation uh, that he shared, and they had this one gentleman in the interrogation room who they knew was part of this crime, but they also knew that there were two other people that he had worked with and he wasn't willing to share their names. So Joe devised this plan. He made cards with all, I think, 32 people's names or something like that and wanted to see the guy's reaction. They just told him to literally flip through the cards. And Joe was watching on a video camera directed at the guy's eyes. And his eyes constricted on two particular names. So Joe knew right away that these were his accomplices. They brought the people in. Sure enough, they interrogated him. And sure enough, they were involved in the crime. And to this day, the witness or the guy that they were originally interrogating has no idea how they were ever able to find out. And it was just because Joe knew this trick about looking at people's eyes. So pretty incredible stuff. Another one to look for is arched eyebrows, which is another high confidence display. So remember, we spoke about gravity defying displays, anything that defies gravity, right? Thumbs up defies gravity. Hands up, moving a lot defies gravity. Eyebrows up defies gravity. So 
when you do that, that means a person's confident, they're happy, they're comfortable, they're in a great situation. Now, on the flip side of that, right, lowering means discomfort or low confidence behavior. And if the eyebrow goes too low, it means that someone is very insecure about something. So again, get a baseline of the person, you ask certain questions, and you know that when they're answering certain questions, if you're now attuned and observing what's happening on the face, you can start to tell if a person's honest, dishonest, trying to hide something, etc. Now, this was part of the book that I thought was absolutely fascinating. And, and the display is called eye blocking. It's something that we've all witnessed. It's something that we've all done. It's when we literally just close our eyes for a few seconds, either with our hands or just close them right? It's, it's a way that we kind of check out for that moment. So most of the time, it's when we've heard really bad news. We've all done it, right? Now, here's the stuff that I thought was absolutely insane. It's so innate that children in the womb will actually close their eyes when they hear a loud noise. I'll say that again. Children in the womb actually close their eyes when they hear a loud noise. That's how innate this is. Now, crazier than that, is blind children, children who are born blind, will still cover their eyes when they hear bad news. Incredible, right? There's no sight. There's nothing to block out. And yet they will still do this and cover their eyes when they hear bad news. I just thought that was absolutely insane. So the key is to look for eye blocking occurring at the moment when you deliver a certain piece of information. So if you're in a business meeting again, or in a social setting, and you say something, and the person holds their eyes closed for a more than average time, in other words, you know, if someone has dry eyes, and they've been doing this all night, then that doesn't mean anything. But if you share some piece of news with someone, and they close their eyes for a prolonged period of time, then you know that that news has some sort of bad or negative effect on that person. Okay. Now on the flip side of that is what we call eye widening. So like a girl looking at her boyfriend, you know, the, the, the bigger, the better, right? When they, they say that kids in love have a big wide eyed looks on their faces. So if your boss or partner or something opens their eyes wide at you and you share an idea or whatever it is, that's a really, really great sign to look for. Okay. Absolutely. The opposite of eye blocking. Now, an interesting fact that seemed very counterintuitive to me was that Joe mentioned that only when we're talking to someone that we're truly comfortable with, will we look away into the distance. Now I thought to myself, okay, and you probably are thinking the same thing. If you're at a dinner date with someone, right? And that person is looking away. You're like, they're disinterested. I'm boring them, right? That's where my brain went. But Joe clarifies this by saying that you can only look away only because you're not threatened by that person. So it doesn't mean that this interested or bored. Quite on the contrary, it actually will say that they're very comfortable with you. So totally counterintuitive to everything I thought about, but really, really interesting nonetheless. All right. So here's the last few tips on eyes, and then we'll wrap this uh, trilogy up. Okay. First, when people look down, it's not because they're bored or uninterested. A downward gaze is representative of a person processing information, or sometimes they even use it to show respect, kind of like bowing, right? And lastly, people do not like it when your eyes move all around the room. Okay. So particularly on job interviews or big important meetings, okay? Don't look around the room. 
keep your focus on the person that you're speaking to or the person speaking in the room. I know this is kind of straightforward, but something very good to be aware of anyway. Eyes darting around the room will lead people to think that you're suspicious, bored, etc. Keep your eyes focused. So that, my friend, puts a bow on my golden nuggets, takeaways from Joe Navarro's what everybody is saying. Like I said before, if you've enjoyed these synopsis, I highly, highly recommend his book. Um, obviously, he goes much deeper than I'm able to on these short little podcasts. He's got pictures. He's got charts. Uh, so I'll, again, leave the resources for you so you can do that on your own. We're interrupting this podcast to bring you a very important message. We have huge news to share with you. So I don't know if you guys know, but for the past year or so, Guy and I have been secretly putting together a brand new training. We're calling it the Have It All Masterclass. Now, it's a very unique 100-day masterclass that's geared to unlock your true God-given potential. I'm not talking about just any old class. I'm talking about busting up all of the old useless programs and upgrading them to whole new levels. So in order to deliver this, we've done a ton of work. We've put together an app so that you can take this everywhere you go. We've even gamified the whole process so that it's easy and pleasurable to go through. Like I said, we've put a ton of time and a ton of money into creating this, and we're officially launching it in July. Now, Guy and I, to launch it, will be hosting a live class as the big unveil. And during this new class, new training, I should say, we're going to share five pillars with you that will help you create your have-it-all life. So for now, all you have to do is head over to satoriprime.com backslash register and save your seat immediately. Now, I'm going to let you know that as of now, our new masterclass will not be able to fit all of you. In fact, our intention is to actually start this very, very small because it's a live training. So as soon as all the seats are filled up, that's it, we're shutting it down. So like I said, act now, head over to satoriprime.com backslash register and get yourself ready for some massive, massive expansion. Now, if you have a friend or a family member or someone that you really love and you want to invite them to this, please share this link. This is not going to be something that you want to miss. And with that, love you all. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love, promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all, and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends. Hey.